Well, today's the first Sunday of Advent, actually the first Sunday of the church's year. So happy new year. And the season of Advent is a time of waiting, a time of penitential preparation, a time that we wait for the coming of the King. And you probably know this too. We're not really good at waiting, are we? But Jesus speaks to us this morning through the words of the Gospel of Mark. And he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be aware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man, says Jesus, going on a journey. And when he leaves, he puts his slaves in charge and each with his work and commands the doorkeeper, be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in, in the evening, at midnight, at cock crow, or in the morning. Christ is coming again. You can count on it. So we need to prepare for Jesus' return. It's a time to repent of sins. It's a time to ask God to help us to search our hearts and minds. And Isaiah 64 has a lot to say about that. It's actually a prayer spoken by Isaiah to the Lord. It's a prayer for God to come down and to deliver his people. It's a prayer of repentance and other things. And he's talking about what a tough time it is right now to be the people of God. And it is tough. We may feel like the culture around us has us besieged. In our culture, there's a belief that it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you don't tell anybody else about your beliefs. Don't try to convince them of what you believe. In our culture, there's a belief that there is no such thing as truth, and that the only truth is that there is no truth. In our culture, it's a culture that believes that there is no God at all, except the ones that we've made, like the God of Black Friday, or the God of consumerism, the God of authoritarianism. These are tough times for the church today here and across the land. Church interest and involvement is down compared to what it used to be. And the hearts and minds of our people have become dull and distracted by the culture around us. Disinterest and apathy rule in the minds of so many are far from God. It's a culture in which good has become evil and evil has become good. And so we who know the gospel of Christ are entrusted to tell others the good news about God, that Jesus will come again. And we can become discouraged or wonder, when is God going to act? We've been waiting a long time. And that's why we can identify with Isaiah's prayer when he cries out to the Lord and says this, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake in your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and when fire causes water to boil, Make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble in your presence. This is a prayer to God to come down and deliver his people from all of those people who are doing the wrong thing. We'd like to see God do that in our own day. It's an, undes it's an understandable desire. What Isaiah is getting at is this. If you, O God, came down seeking justice, then those who tremble would be afraid of your presence. They would be like dust before you. Those who sin 
would not be able to stand before your righteous anger. So here's the first point. God's anger against evil, against injustice, God's anger is not like your anger or my anger. It's not about the ego. It's not about being in a bad temper. It's not about being out of control or waking up on the wrong side of the bed. No, God's anger is fixed. It's unchangeable. It's irrevocable. It's opposition to injustice and evil so that no debt will go unpaid. Every account will be balanced and no one will get away with anything. And isn't that what justice looks like? That we're all accountable. Our God hates sin. He detests sin. You and I need this God who is angry, angry against sin and injustice, so that we can have hope that one day things will be made right. One day there will be justice. You and I need to know that God is angry at sin and that he will bring justice. But here's something really important. When you read verses 1 to 3, the people of Israel are praying that God's anger and justice will be directed at all those other people who've done the wrong thing. You know, it says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down and make your name known to your adversaries, the people who are doing sinful, bad things, and that nations might tremble in your presence because they're not doing the right thing and they're not like us. Yes, Lord, like you did before, do it again. Make those people see your power again and then they'll tremble and be afraid. Come on. That's what they were thinking. Come on, God, get angry at these bad people. And that's what we so often think. Come on, God, judge those who are bad. Well, those people are over there. Then listen to what he says in the next three verses of Isaiah chapter 64. In verses four to six, the people find out that God, the God that they deserve the same punishment that God is being asked to mete out to those that we don't like. We deserve punishment as much as those that we think are wicked. Here are those three verses. Verse 64, four, from ages past, no one has heard, no ear perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right. Remember those in your ways. But you were angry and we sinned because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Amazing change in understanding, isn't it? Amazing thing to be praying. This moment of recognition when we begin to see that it's not just you and me who are guilty or not just me that's guilty, but that each one of us is guilty. Each one of us has sinned. And even the deeds that we've done for righteousness are not really righteous or clean at all. They're like filthy rags. And that's an amazing, astounding insight, recognition of self. Here's what it means. I look at someone who's obviously sitting in, then I see myself, and I realize I'm just like that person. The Christian is the person who looks at their own sins and at their own good deeds and sees that motivation is the same for whether I'm trying to do bad or good. Wanting to do bad 
or good, you need to take account of your motivations behind those things. And I realize that my motivation so often is that I want to be my own savior. I want to do good things so that I'll make God have to be nice to me and do good things for me. And that's the Christian dilemma. That's why your good deeds are like filthy rags. You look at your good deeds and then you wonder, why isn't my life better than that other person? They're not doing very well. And as soon as you hear yourself saying that, you realize I was doing right in order to get God to do my will. That's the essence of sin, trying to get God to do your will. He calls us to follow him, to take what he's given us and to grow it, to have it as our only motivation to do his will, not because of what we can get from him, but because we honor and love and just praise God for all that he is. And so Advent is a time of penitence and preparation. It's a time to come to grips with our sins and confess them and to be honest with God about them. Seek your forgiveness and find your healing in Christ. God has already acted to deliver you from your sins. In our sins, we have been a long time. Shall we be saved? And the answer is yes. Yes, we shall be saved for God has acted in Christ to save us all. And you can count on this. Your salvation is secure because of Christ's death and resurrection. But now we're in that period of waiting in between when Jesus first came, lived among us and died on the cross, and when he will come again. We wait. And as we wait, God is acting in our lives. You may not even be noticing it, but God is acting in your life to pull you closer to who he designed you to be. And again, from the prayer from Isaiah 64, it's instructive. Listen to the patient trust in the prophet's voice. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. This is a prayer of quiet trust and patient waiting. Stop trying to manipulate God and allow God to remake you. Remember that image, you're the clay. God is the potter, not the other way around. For now we wait, but it's a busy and productive waiting. We use this time to remember and reflect, to repent and to be restored. This is the time to go to work, to be busy with the vocations that God has given you. Our individual vocations, whether you're a husband or a wife or a worker or a citizen or a son or a daughter, all are calling together as the church to carry out and carry on the work of the church's ministry. Quiet trust, patient waiting, remembering and repenting, calling on God to act and knowing that he is the God who does act and will continue to act and will finally act to save his people. That's you and me included. The church is us included. And that's Isaiah's Advent prayer. And this is our prayer too during the Advent season. As we close, let's pray. Father, we pray that you will help us to wait for you actively 
to allow you to work in our lives and that we may truly seek to do your will because you are God. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.